Today, uh, well, I've decided that from time to time, given that Sybil brings to me abominations, like the new um, Offsprings record, <laughs> I've decided to be do the opposite and bring good things that are new and be like, if now and then I find a really good pop punk record or a really good emo record, I'm like, why shouldn't we talk about it? So today we're talking about uh, the new Origami Angel record which is Gummy Gang. I wasn't familiar with previous Origami Angel work. People say that their first record is really good. Never was familiar with them, but I've listened to the new one, and uh, I really like it. Uh, it's a very, like, just, like, nice, pleasant, comforting, like, emo pop record with very pop melodies and very harsh guitars. I don't know, it's pretty good. And uh, Sybil never listened to it before today, I think, or yesterday. Yeah, I've, I've been doing it over the weekend. Yeah, what do you think? Overall, I would say that I enjoyed this. It was uh, composed of a lot of good short quick bites, or quibbies, as the kids call them these days. Oh god, Quibby. What was on Quibby? I've never... It died. It died faster than it shows. What, what were the selling points of Quibby? Well, you see, the business model was that you would make little, quick, five to ten minute episodes, and then people could just watch them on their phone on the go, and it had them filmed in both vertical and horizontal resolution, so you could flip it around and see different directorial choices. Oh yeah, I'm familiar with the awful idea at the basis, but what was the actual content on Quibbly? Uh, there were some actual good series on it, like... There was a Sam Raimi show about a woman with a golden arm that turns into full Evil Dead body horror comedy. Oh, that sounds fun. And then there was the show about the poor woman who had dated Dan Harmon and like made a living sex doll. I am not going to inquire further on this because I think uh, it would not be pleasant. I heard it was actually good, but I also didn't pay for Quibi. That is fair. I don't think many people did. And now all of that content is on Roku, I think. By the way, if uh, if you're curious of how much I enjoyed this record, so in the last 180 days, I've listened to 385 songs by Origami Angel. Nice. This is data from my last FM. Uh, if you're interested in the other things that I've listened, I've listened to 768 songs by the Mountain Goats. That's what I expected was going to follow that word. 1,592 songs by Spanish love songs. 
168 songs by Hot Mulligan, but that is mostly the new single, which I've listened like a lot. 160 songs from Japanese Breakfast, they're great. The new record is like really good vintage like 70-ish ballads, they're really nice. Um, 156 songs by Mason Booker, which is a really cool like J-art pop band. I recommend them. Got into them this year. They're really good. Uh, 155 songs by The Bats. And 143 songs by Jimmy at Ward. So that has been my last six months. I don't have a service that tracks all that for me, but I know I've listened to Bill Wells' octet's No Funerals This Morning about 15 times in the last 90 minutes. Oh, nice. What is that? It is an excellent electronic score behind a trumpet solo that is just a very good atmospheric piece. I don't have, uh, well, I, there's no point in doing the history because I don't have much on them. Like, this is a more casual episode. I'm not gonna spend days researching this stuff. But quickly, if you're wondering who Origami Angel is, they're a duo from Washington, D.C., U.S. Uh, it is not from L.A., like most of the things we talk about in regular episodes. They formed in late 2015, they've published a debut LP, a couple of LPs, um, one of their EPs is like Pokemon themed, it's called Gen 3, and uh, yeah, all of the songs are named after the games in Gen 3 Pokemon games, Okay. which I'm sure, yeah. Mm. We've, we've already experienced like this new wave of like... Zoomer slash late millennials, like emo pop punk stuff, and they're like, they're all like fucking weeps. Well, yeah, but so were we at that age. We were just in the middle of the original anime boom in the West. Oh, I mean, you're still a massive weeb. Me too. I am. I podcast about anime and JRPGs weekly. What JRPG are you podcasting about currently? <sighs> Xenosaga episode 2. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the only one you guys got in Europe. Um, not if you were into piracy. I know, I just find it really funny that they only gave you the middle worst chapter of that trilogy legally. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, Origami Angel is Ryan Hergie on guitar, bass and vocals, and Pat Doherty on drums. They made a bunch of records, they made an EP, most of their stuff, as far as I'm aware, is self-produced, which you can hear, it definitely has, like, their records definitely have a sort of, like, a very chunky, gritty sound to them, they're not super polished, aside from one song on this record that I hate, which is, sounds like something else, and as Wikipedia says, they cite as their influence the Bare Naked Ladies, yes, Prince Dardis and the Hyena, 
Lil Uzi Vert, The Obsessive, The Cool, Kit Moon, Neil Peart, and Mike Partnoy. I'm into it. And yeah, I, th- I think we can talk about the record. I don't, I don't have much background on this record. I just like Spotify recommended it to me. And my first listen was like, oh, this sounds like sort of like a sh- one of those shit post records. Uh, but then turns out it was really good. Yeah. It's sort of irritating because the title track make it sound very meme and it's not. Which I guess it's the thing with a lot of like recent emo where it's just like the funny title, which I guess was a thing with like older mainstream like postercore and pop punk, like Fallout Boy had silly title and fairly silly lyrics, but but I guess there's this whole thing where you have silly titles and then not particularly silly lyrics, so uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I should actually see if there are any transcripts of the lyrics on some of these tracks, because I'm curious how what I heard matches up. Oh yeah, the, it's it's a long genius. I'm sorry, wait. Greenbelt Station previously debuted on their Minecraft EP? Oh yeah. Okay. We start off with that title track, which I actually forgot was a title track because I just wrote down the word intro in my notes. Yeah, they have a they have a sort of jokey trap intro. There's no rapping in it, so it's fine. <laughs> I, I think the Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> I think the extent of the joke is fine if you don't actually try to rap like some bands that we've talked about in our main episodes did. So I think it's fine. I, <laughs> I think it's short. It doesn't really matter. It has way less Spotify listens than everything else. Well, yeah, it's 30 seconds long, so... Yeah. And it comes back in the final track. The motif comes back. It's a dream pop, hip-hop mix, and the genius annotation for this instrumental is simply motherfucking Gami Gang. Ah, there's a lot of, like, internet irony in this thing, but there's a lot of, um, that we will see later, there's also a lot of genuine heart in the stuff, so, uh, I begrudgingly really enjoy this record, despite a lot of this aesthetic going on. It it doesn't sound like a Neil Uzumaki album, so it's not like it's gone full meme shit poster. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a good balance. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's nothing much to say about the intro. Uh, the intro is called Hashtag Gammy Gang, so technically not a title track. I didn't actually realize until about 12 out of 20 tracks in that Gami Gang was meant to refer to Origami Angel. Yeah! I'm bad at this sometimes before I've had my coffee. <laughs> Ah, don't talk to me. I want, uh, I want, like, you know those don't talk to me before you ha- I had my coffee things, but, like, don't talk to me before I had my estrogen? I think that would be funny. That would be a fun boomer trans merchandise to make. I'm sure it exists if I could get a custom-made mug that references my side job as a fetish porn creator, and somebody made it in a nice delightful, lasted-me-for-years mug that I still have on my desk full of coffee. Oh, nice. And it also has a lovely pink uh, 
pink internals. Nice. I once had a mug of my face. Uh, there are reasons why I don't have that mug anymore. <laughs> I could imagine. It was back in the day. I had a beard. They took a mug shot of me once. Does that count? <laughs> that is an excellent pun, but I say let's go uh, forward to self-destruct, which... Knowing the previous work of this band, I'm assuming it's not just like a random, you know, emo word, it's more like a Pokemon reference probably, but yeah. enough i thought the song was lyrically minimal but i'm looking at this it's like oh there's a lot said on this that i just didn't pick up because i was kind of vibing with the pop punk yeah there's a i i wouldn't even call it pop punk this is very emo like it's very sort of mat rock emo with chunkier guitars than usual like heavier guitars than usual it's almost like a cross between like mat oriented emo and uh uh easy core like something like newfound glory and stuff I, I really enjoy the sound. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it very much. I just... Especially after the sound of the intro track, I didn't expect it to suddenly become, oh, this is really catchy punk. And it starts really heavy. It almost starts like heavy metal. But then, as soon as the song really starts, it sort of eases off into a more, again, pop-punky, emo-ish kind of vibe. And uh, the first track is almost like jungly in a way. It almost sounds like, I don't know, if, uh, if R.E.M. decided to go pop punk. I'm sorry you didn't catch a lot of the lyrics because they're, I, I like the sheer positivity of a lot of the lyrics on this record. Like, this is a super fucking sweet love song and it's like very cute and like nice. Oh, no, no, I didn't say I was ignoring it. Just I wrote down lyrically minimal and i'm looking at the lyrics written out and it's like wow i didn't realize this was just continuous okay i'm gonna start by saying this because i will see this in like 90 percent of the songs well 80 percent maybe of the songs all of the choruses on this record are fucking bangers like they just nail so many choruses they're catchy they're memorable they sound different from each other pretty good stuff i don't agree fully I think there's a couple of tracks that land like a lead balloon for me. But I think by and large, I'll give you that. Look, this is a 20-track record, and that is my only gripe with it, that if this was cut down to like the 10 best track, this would be like a 4.5 out of 5 record. Yeah, this would be great if we cut a little bit of the chaff. Yeah. I I don't know if I ever like. Yeah, there's no real great record that's so long. You need to cut it down <laughs> but aside from that uh but no this is again super sweet love song with this very like good interplay between jungliest part and um a heaviest but slow sort of slow paced chorus uh, i don't know this song is just so pleasant and so positive and has sort of a motion city soundtrack 
synth flare at the end going on. And it's really pleasant. Like, just listen to the scars. Just text in your head. Uh, and again, like, most of the lyrics, they're not... They're not great lyricists, but they're... They seem genuine, and they they have a, a talent for, like, cute turns of phrases. So I'm not going to put them in the same, you know... I'm not going to put this near, uh, whatever, uh, Darkin here, the new Montrangle's record, but... It serves a different pur- purpose. It's very, like, very teenage feeling in many things. And uh, that in its own is good. So I'm not a big fan when they go a bit heavier. Like, there is almost this heavy metal riff at the beginning and at the end. And it always feels a bit meme to me. <laughs> Again, like, you always feel like it's almost a joke that this, like, really sweet song, this really, like, emo-ish songs have this extremely hard bit at the beginning and the end. And I think there is at least one song near the end that is damn near ruined by it. Uh, it's fine here because it's sort of like at the beginning and the end. It's not, it doesn't bother, but yeah. Interesting. I actually thought a couple of the little thrashier bits near the end were uh, a good way to win me back after a few tracks lost me. Huh, okay. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, Mobius Chicken Strip? Yes, because I don't even eat meat anymore and that's a tempting concept. Every time people mention a Mobius strip, because my brain is broken, uh, I always think of my favorite Mountain Goats lyrics of all time from Source Decay, which is, I wish the West Texas Highway was a Mobius strip, I could ride it out forever when I feel my heart break, and a a bunch of really good lyrics after that that I'm not gonna go into. See? So that is what I was thinking about. When you said this title got to because your brain is broken, I thought you were going to say Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, no. No. Okay. The only Sonic the Hedgehog I like is uh, are the Wii ones. You don't know he's not in space above Mobius and Sonic Colors. Oh, no. I. It's, it's a joke. Mobius was only ever on the television shows. Oh, okay. That's why. But a lot of fans still go, well, Sonic lives on the planet Mobius. Isn't that a Spider-Man villain? That's Morbius, the living vampire. As opposed to the dead vampire? Look, that's a question that Standards and Practices has argued about for 25 years now. Don't go there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I have the same thoughts about this song as the last song. It's really sweet, really positive, really upbeat. There are some heavy guitar breaks, but the vocal melody is, again, fantastic, super catchy. This song is about the friend zone, but in a wholesome way. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I love being buddies with you. You want to go on a road trip? And we'll just drive forever. And that's Mobius Chicken Strip. Yeah, bring your Game Boy. Yep. That is alive. Because none of us are driving because we're eternally 12. That's the origami angel promise. <laughs> it's sort 
end. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe this has. This is like, yo, what if we never had to grow up, but we also never had to get old and racist and cynical and bitter? <laughs> is that a thing that you're obliged to do when you grow up? Um, mm, I'll tell you when I ever do. Maybe Tolkien with a record that I like was not a great idea because all of the songs I'm like, yeah, this is great. They're all great for pretty much similar reasons. Don't worry, I can bring different energy to every track on this record because there's only two that I thought sounded really similar and I will call them out. Okay. I think a lot of this, like especially in the vocal melody and in the harsher guitar, have a similar sound. Uh, and that's why I like them. Hmm? Oh, I think uh, it has a similar sound. I don't think the tracks sound samey. That is fair. No, I don't think that either. Let's talk about my favorite song in the record. No offense. I mean, these three songs are pretty much the same thing. They're like very sweet, very nice, very positive, and I love them. <laughs> they make me feel nice inside. Um, it, this is one is about jealous witness. This is basically the opposite of a memory I have from being a teenager. Well, I guess pretty. I think I was like twelve at the time, and I was being watched for the summer by my grandmother, who is in hell if there is one. And I just remember a buddy of mine came over and we were chilling in the living room because we were not going outside in 100 degree desert heat. And she took a call from one of her friends on the house phone. And I just remember her saying, as the two of us are sitting there and just mouthing, can you hear this shit at each other? That apparently I was just holding everything back and making her life miserable because she had to watch her grandson and, you know, why isn't he married? Reminder, 12 or 13. Oh, God! <laughs> anyway, that's basically the opposite of this song, which is where two friends are hanging out and a church guy comes to the door and is like, hey, you heard about Jesus in heaven? And they're like, yeah, I know about it. It's what I feel when I'm with my buddy because it's really nice. Yeah. That's pretty much it. It has some... Uh, this is where they start, really, with the sort of the mat influences, because there's a lot of, like, noodling solo going on. Uh, but it's fine, because they follow it with a... Backing vocals, and I love that shit. So, I don't know. has a, like, this very upbeat melody, one of the best chorus in the, in the whole record. It, Great drumming going on on the solo, like there's uh, just like some great dynamic drumming that leads from the verse to the so to the chorus, and uh, mm, I love the song. This I've listened to this song a lot. It's probably my favorite. It's just like the melody is so like catchy and perfect. Again, ninety percent of why I like this record is because the vocal melodies are fantastic throughout. I I was uh, you know. This one was inoffensive to me. I didn't really notice it much. 
had had fun with it. The one where it picked back up for me is the next track, Mock Bike. Stop Another Pokemon reference. Is that it? Okay. I thought it was referencing, like, old Capcom games. Maybe, uh, but there is a Mac bike in Pokemon and then third generation. Like, my, my damn brain wants to call the Pokemon games like Pokemon 1, Pokemon 2, Pokemon 3, and so on, but that doesn't work. <laughs> Look, if you described the name of any Pokemon game to me, I would not be able to tell you when and what time it's from unless it's red. I played red once. Okay. Uh, what about Pokemon Diamond? That sounds like it was real. I'm sure it was on the Game Boy Advance. Nope. <laughs> We've proved the theory. <laughs> What's the opposite of Diamond? Uh, Pearl. What? Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. Uh, it's Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, I believe. What? <laughs> None of those things, but... <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm upset now. Uh... What horseshit. What about Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness? That's not real. That is real. That's real. No, there was a Disney XD, which means Pokemon couldn't take that. I remember that. Naruto played that. No. <laughs> that is real. That is uh, the IG Nintendo 64 game. I'm looking this up. It's a post-apocalyptic Pokemon game, sort of. You're wrong because it's a GameCube game, so I'm oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Also, I like that one of the things that's here is, is Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness a good game? No. What is the answer? That is the response. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, MacBike is where they start changing a bit to theming. It's not about my body is great and, uh, and everything is great and life is great. It's a bit more nuanced. This is a little more emo. Yeah, it is a bit more emo. It's sort of about, you know... Being f feeling feeling down, feeling depressed, but still with an upbeat melody and still with a general positive vibe. Uh, it has a bit in the middle that's calling me out specifically. Stop wasting all your time doing things you don't want to do and stop wasting all your coins on these things you won't even use. Hi there, big ol' stack of anime that I still need to watch. <laughs> well, but you do wanna watch the anime for this, that at least. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have bought the entire crate of uh, Just Shy of Hentai the other day, though. <laughs> they packaged it in such a minimal thing. It was basically just slapped in a brown paper bag inside the box that said, Here, this is between you and God. Love, write stuff. 
pretty wild. I don't think I've ever seen such minimalist packaging from them. It's almost like nobody wanted to touch it, even though everything inside was plastic wrapped. <laughs> God. That's not a joke. <laughs> well, uh, no, this song is good. There's even more noodling on this song. It ends like a Dropkick Murphys track, though. Oh, really? <laughs> they just suddenly go into a weird sea shanty-ish vibe for the last verse. Yeah, it's a bit much at the end, I feel. Uh, this is a very, like, nice, fun album, but sometimes it goes a bit too hard with the whole chanting and stuff. Yeah. I don't agree with you all the time about this feels very meme and ironic. I think it's trying to be sincere a lot of the time, but I could definitely see that take when we suddenly switch genres and fine... Fine, I know that we'll be fine, 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 and it closes. Yeah, you, you go with Dropkick Murphy to me, and even sounds more like a, like a hair metal ballad or something. Like, it sounds like that you should be, like, waving your fucking uh, lighter in the air or something. Ha. I guess it's your phone nowadays. Yeah, you're not allowed to have lighters. <laughs> and everyone has a phone. Plus, if you have a lighter next to a vape in your pocket, you might explode. <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh, are you unfamiliar with vape batteries exploding? Yeah, I, I know nothing of this. Oh my god, I need to show you so many TikToks and security camera videos. I'm gonna make your day. <laughs> okay. Do people die from that? <laughs> uh, usually no, although sometimes it's really funny to just see, like, a guy's pants suddenly explode in the middle of a checkout at a convenience store because the dude overcharged his vape. That is wonderful. I mean, it's great. It's really good just seeing a guy try to like find space to roll his pants out. Yeah, I mean, people hate people who vape, right? That's the cultural thing at the moment. So I guess it's good. Yes. Okay. I'm sure I've just pissed off at least one of our listeners who I know does vape on the track when we record. <laughs> uh, I don't want to piss off anyone. Um, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Sybil will fight God. Sybil will fight God. <laughs> hey, bad news for you. It's not changing. Yeah. Give me all the hormones and drugs in the world. That's not changing. If anything, I'll probably get, like, red hair and Super Saiyan powers. Oh, and I got a Velveeta ad for this, which feels like the most pop-punk ad imaginable, because fake cheese is very pop-punk. You could describe a lot of this record as cheesy, so, yeah. I was more thinking that, like, nothing says 12-year-old cool. Ska is what happens when a 12-year-old gets a plate of mozzarella sticks. Pop-punk is what happens when you make Velveeta mac and cheese for someone. <laughs> I don't... I'll be honest, I don't know what Velveeta is. We don't get it here, but I get the gist, I guess. Are you familiar with craft dinner? From pictures? Okay, Velveeta is what happens if instead of the little orange Dorito powder, they give you a fake-ass artificial cheese that melts at over 90 degrees. That sounds awful. And do you guys don't have parmesan in america oh we do we have real cheeses but it's it's one of those things that is very if you are young 
and your tastes have not matured yet, Velveeta is like the ultimate cheese. Why? I I was five and I was eating Parmesan on my pasta. You're Italian. I am. I'm right, though. I'm not saying you're not right. I'm just saying that's a very different cultural everything from being an American. I guess. I'm, We're the I'm land of thick. golden arches, thick-ass buns, and I don't know which kind I mean right now, and an artificial cheese that calls itself liquid gold. Your cheese should not be gold. Uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler. American cheese is also garbage. Like, the the cheese called American cheese. Is that the orange one? Yeah, the pseudo-cheddar. It is basically to cheddar what Hershey's is to chocolate. Neither is good. That is fair. I mean, cheddar is not even a great cheese, but... I like a good cheddar. I, I guess it's melty, like I would use it in a melty thing, like in a sandwich, but not, you know, not on pasta. No, I don't need I don't need cheddar on pasta unless I'm doing a specific macaroni and cheese recipe. And even then, I'm probably going to use a blend. I mean, my Italian snobbery here would say that macaroni and cheese is just like sort of a horrible. Just do a Catrick paper. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I have four ingredients and a pan and I don't want to cook. Catrick paper is four ingredients. It's like pasta, pepper and uh, and like pecorino. But my ingredients don't include pecorino. Just buy some real cheese, goddammit. <laughs> I do. I'm a cheese snob. There are no less than seven cheeses in my fridge right now. But speaking of cooking, let's talk about isopropyl alchemy. How long do you think it'll take before someone puts me into my place and says you would be much better off if you would just focus on the things that make you happy? This is a very dramatic intro and that it becomes immediately very a bit. And uh, once again, I don't know how much of that is genuine creative expression and how much of that is just shitposting, but sure. I don't know what the joke in the title is here. Uh, isopropyl alcohol. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, it's something we sell at work as a solvent. Nice. Yeah. It's basically just a very strong alcohol if you need to dissolve things for chemical reactions. Or, in our case, uh, cannabinoid testing to make sure there's no heavy metals left in. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, we do a lot of work with the cannabis industry. Welcome to California. Yay! Liberal city. Um, I'm with you. I think the opening is very good on this. This is my favorite track title on the record. But then it settles into a really whiny song that's like, uh, I don't know that I like the end result of this alchemy. No, I don't mind. I think this is one of the songs which is fine. It didn't win me over. It's another sort of like, ah, I'm not feeling great emo song. Like, I, I, I am I'm mildly upset by the world and life, but without going too hard on it. Which, give or take, like, 
it can be your thing, cannot be your thing. I sort of enjoy how undramatic a lot of this is. I don't need dramatic. I just think it comes off kind of whiny. I really like the... There's like this very... Um, this bit that reminds me a lot of the... What's the name of that band? The word is beautiful and I'm not... Uh, the word is beautiful and I'm not afraid to die anymore. I think I've butchered their name, but they're great. Uh, there's this chorus when it's like somewhere in the sky and there's like layered vocals. And I really like that bit. Uh, reminds me of... The, the word is beautiful. Go, everyone, go listen to them. They, they've done a couple of great emo albums. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. <laughs> it's in a book. A Again, I know that it's a reference because I'm adjacent to media that reference the stuff, but not American. I don't know what that is. Uh, Jordi LaForge wanted to teach kids to read. That is fair. There you go. Now you're caught up. Mm-hmm. No, this is uh, a medium song from the record, but it has some good layered vocals and some bit, some good, like, rising tensions bit. That's good. It leads very smoothly into the next song, which I like. I was young and naive. I never thought you would talk about me like I was in on your side from the very first time I met you way back when. Just so brave. Judging by the things you say. But you know it would all get back to me someday. Talk behind my back soon enough you'll see. Okay, so the next track, You Won't, is the first one that's just a full-on falling flat for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's got a yeah, weird energy. Yeah, it, it is not one of my favorite. The two tracks that are sort of very negative have my two least favorite tracks of the record, so I'm with you. Uh, this is definitely like a breakup, someone betrayed me, but not necessarily like in a romantic way track. Um, I think melodically this is not bad. So there's a problem with this track, which is it's not significantly longer than all the other tracks on the record. Like all of these tracks are about three minutes. This feels long. I don't know why, I think it's the repetition of the chorus, which is sort of very simple and repeated a lot, but this track drags a lot. Draggy is a good description. I really like how smoothly it goes from the last song to this one. I think the it starts very well, then... It's a good start for the chorus, but then it really starts dragging on the chorus, and lyrically this is again sort of like a bitter betrayal slash breakup song which doesn't really work i like the positive song from the record this is a bit eh. so I don't know. yeah i'm with you and you know as someone who is a shit talker herself uh, a little less a uh, little less fond of being called out like this yeah you you wouldn't talk shit like this to my face origami angel <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, talking shit about people is really the the biggest way of bonding. Damn right. It is, it, it is also interesting because this, the title is not a pun, unlike everything else on the record. Unless I'm missing something. 
Yeah, it almost feels it almost feels like it's directly made to call some guy they know out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, to be honest, it may be that it's not it's not uh, out of the possibility of exclusion. Wouldn't be the first time in a pop punk album. <laughs> Let us go to the next song, which is Neutrogena Spectre. I got this pun. I wondered. I really like this song. This is a bit of a... So this song is about, you know, self-image and loving yourself and not having high beauty standard. And it's a bit of like, okay, this guy song, because, <laughs> you know, guess you never had to deal with dysphoria. <laughs> but aside from that, I think it's a really positive song. It's a good message. And um, I don't know. It's fun. It has a good melody, a good tune. Uh, it's a peppier track, and it did win me back after the last one and a half song, so that's nice. Yeah, this is the first single, and it's one of the poppiest songs on the record. It has this very sparse verse. There's really not much heavy stuff happening on the verse. And then it moves into the chorus that is, like, so poppy. It has backing vocals. It's, like, very catchy. And even do the whole pop thing of just, like, um, muting down all of the background instrument and having a chorus, well, um, yeah, a choir do the, or at least layered vocals doing the chorus for a bit and then going back into the rock instrumentation, which is extremely like 2000, um, 2000 mainstream rock. I'm into it. It is a good upbeat track. And I do love some lines like, but my bony ass self looking like a pterodactyl, a huge fucking asshole. I want to go back home. Yeah, I like any track that says I want to go back home because that's in my head literally every minute of my life. And I don't know why. I think it's depression. I just think the mental image of looking like a pterodactyl is what gets me so much. Because I'm trying to imagine what that is, and I don't know if that's just a lanky guy with weird hair or like I got chicken arms or Naoko Takauchi legs on a Akira Toriyama body. Yeah, it could be a lot of things. But you could cure cancer with this music, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make pop punk. <laughs> I wondered if that would be your joke at some point. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the ending on this is once again that sort of extreme contrast where like the whole song is very upbeat, very nice, very positive, and then it ends with like a weird, like almost metal-ish outro with like screamo. And again, this is the stuff that I'm not that into because it feels 
it mostly feels like a joke when they do this stuff. Like it feels like here's the song and then we end it with this joke. And again, when it's just the ending, I think it's fine. Uh, it's just... I love this record. The The heaviest bit feel very shoehorned in and very ironic and I'm not into that. Hmm. I wish the next track were ironic. Let's talk about Greenbelt Station. Huh, I didn't mind it. a single note on this and it's just the words oh no acoustic yeah it's a bit of acoustic break like if we were cutting down this record to 10 tracks i would definitely cut it but in this form i feel it helps varying a bit the album gives you some variety it's one of the shortest track on the record so it doesn't overstay its welcome and it has a nice mood it feels like a dashboard confessional track fell off the back of a truck while it was going down the Mobius Highway. Oh, I, I think that's too mean. <laughs> I think that's too mean. I think this is very quiet and understated in a way that dashboard confessional never managed to be. There is no screaming on this track. It's just very quiet. If anything, it reminds me of... um. It reminds me of the last track of that The Get Up Kids record that we reviewed recently um, on a wire. And that is like, it's, it, it is acoustic, but it's very understated, very quiet, very moody. It's very underbaked. I don't love it, but in the context of the record, it does not not work. It's the best thing that I can say about it. Bottom three for me. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I think this is a band that does not work when they cut back on their energy so much for something like this. Let's talk about Bossanova Corps. Every time I open up my eyes, I see you Standing off the precipice of everlasting happiness that lives inside of you Things I'll never get to touch or hear or feel or see Things that just weren't made for me I guess it wasn't meant to be But every time you open up your mouth, I see verbs Adjectives and colors flying out into the world so that they're there to be observed Trying hard to get themselves into somebody's brain Then they'll never be the same It always happens in that way But every time I open up my eyes uh, Good pun and a good sound. This might be my favorite track on the record. Huh. Well, talk us about it because I forgot to take notes about this specific track. Uh, it has a very orange lounge sound, which is a good thing. And I just dig the slow group. This is by comparison to Greenbelt Station. Greenbelt Station is this band without energy, just going lo-fi in a way that is draining to listen to. This is them being subdued, but still playing to their strengths. I enjoy it. It's still very uplifting. It's pretty chill. It, that's the difference. It's chill instead of just being draining. I can groove to this. Mm-hmm. 
that is fair. It is an interesting mix of like the sort of like, like I guess bossa nova or lounge in some way sort of sound with a a heavier punk song. Yeah, it's it's fine. I don't I don't have any beef with this. It's uh it's fine. It's interesting. It's different. I would hundred percent cut it in my ten songs version of this record, but again, it's uh, I get the appeal. And I really love how smoothly it transitions to the next song. Yeah, Know You is a fucking just comfort song for me. <laughs> it's, uh, if you talk shit about this song, I will be sad. <laughs> it's just like so nice. Okay, so I like the fast bits. This grows on me when it gets to the chorus and it speeds up. Lyrically, I think this is an interesting track. I just wish it was more of the speedy half because the opening chunk is like... Uh... Yeah, there is definitely like this very big contrast between the chorus and the uh, verse in the in the song. It's like the chorus is sort of like super upbeat and like there's hands clapping and stuff like that. And then it goes into a bit harder, slower tempo in the chorus. Sorry, the verse. The verse is like upbeat and has hands clapping and it's like very positive and then it's a bit darker and it's a bit like punkier and has this harsher guitar in the um, in the pre-chorus and then it goes into this the chorus which is completely different from the rest of the song which is like sort of jarring to a point but i actually it actually really works for me after a couple of listens i think it's like this is a very interesting contrast that feels generally like an artistic decision and not like just joking around. And I don't know, I am a person who's like has a lot of complexes about the ways in which I'm weird and broken. So this song is very comforting for me lyrically because it's about that. It's about uh, you, you are weird, but that is good and you're good. So I don't know. <laughs> I like this song. Totally like the message. I just wish it was more of the one half than the other in the performance. That's it. No, that is completely fair. And it's completely fair to not like a thing that I like. I mean, I do like this song. I think it's an interesting one. It's just playing against what I want out of it half the time. That is fair. It is not as straightforwardly catchy as other song on this record. It's less poppy. It's like weirder in a way, uh, structurally and melodically, but yeah, it does it for me. But I get why it might feel weird and not on the same level of other tracks. Mm-hmm. How do we pronounce this one? Uh, is that a backslash or a regular slash? That is a backslash. That is backslash trust.
The most interesting thing about this track to me is that the vocalist just goes full Tiny Tim for a minute. What is a Tiny Tim? Oh, oh, you don't know what Tiny Tim is? Oh, I'm I... about to ruin your day. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, why? What's wrong with that? I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking why. He he just does this on the vocals on this track for some reason. It's very weird. Okay. Is that like a stick? Is that like a comedian thing? No, Tiny Tim was a novelty act that became very popular for a brief moment in time. Okay, then. I, I, I don't think he the, the, the origami angel singer does this on this track. He does a bit in the first third. I... okay. His vocals sure. just peek up into that unnatural cadence. <laughs> okay, um... I don't love this song, but it's very cozy. It's another, like, slower song. Uh, it has a couple of good things. Like, I feel that a lot of this record really manages to distinguish itself from a lot of contemporary emo. Uh, this is a bit more tropey. It's like the slow, cozy song with um, there's that bit where the guitar starts uh, really hitting, where it's just and it da, 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 that is very like Hot Mulligan did that bit. Like a lot of band did like bits that are very similar to that, just in terms of guitar and voice. But it's fine. It's it's a bit tropey. It's a bit less different than everything else in the record, but again, it's very cozy and sort of pleasant. Oh, and I guess the title of this track is a Minecraft record. Or reference. I guess, oh, I guess because server stuff, I imagine? I was just very curious because it seemed um like no IRC command I had ever seen, and then I thought, wait a minute, children aren't referencing IRC in 2021? <laughs> I was on the internet right of the end era of IRC. I remember um, live watching, you know, live commenting with other people the E3 on IRC. And now E3 and IRC are dead. <laughs> they are. And now we can all recognize that E3 is basically just a bunch of commercial. And you should avoid it. I mean, it always was. Sometimes I occasionally want pandering. No, no, it's always been. It's just like, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is an important and cool thing. And then you grow up and it's just like, oh, no, this is capitalism. Occasionally, it makes me really mad, like when they announced that mobile Commander Keen game. <laughs> I haven't watched any tree in years. Uh, they've already shut that down, from what I recall. People were really angry at something in this tree, right? I don't know. I think it was a Monster Hunter thing. Or it was a Smash Brothers thing? It was oh, a something. Oh, you're talking about Smash Brothers fans. They're angry at everything all the time. Oh, yeah. I play fighting games and nobody is madder about fighting games than Smash Brothers fans because they don't know what fun is. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna. I'm sorry if anyone that listened to us plays Smash Brothers competitively. But when you take a game like Smash Brothers that is meant to be basically a party game, like it's designed to be a party game and try to make it competitive, um, I'm not I'm not going to say that there is something wrong about you because that's mean, but... I will. You definitely have a mindset that... 
you, you definitely have a specific mindset <laughs> that uh, does not necessarily cater a lot to healthy sociality. I will not pretend the greater fighting game community is perfect, but I will also say all the worst horror stories come from the Smash side. They do, right? Yeah. I'm just saying, I can get curb stomped in Tekken nine times out of ten if I go online, but nobody is going to be as much of a weird dick about it as a winning Smash Brothers player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, Spoon Rattle. I don't know what pun this is. I'm gonna guess this is uh, some kind of weird creepypasta thing. Okay, it is a very short intro, I think it's like barely two minutes long, it's like 1.30 if I remember correctly. 1.30. And uh... Yeah, it's a intro. I don't have much to say. It gets very harsh. There's some screamo, but I don't know. There's not enough meat for me to really talk about this song. It's nice. Do you have any joke about spoons? Um, I feel like this would have been better as hams boning. <laughs> okay, I don't get it. I know spoon bands and I know ham boning and I like ham boning more than I like spoon bands. Uh, let's go forward. Tom Holland Oates. Yes, which is a actor Tom Holland plus Holland Oates, which is a joke from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. No, Holland Oates was a real band. Yes, but Holland Oates, spelled like that, is a joke from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Got it. Anyway, this is about Wiener Kid Spider-Man. It blows. <laughs> I love this song. Well... I, I love the song and then it's ruined for me. This is the one song that I was mentioning. Where does it blow? Go ahead. I really could not stand this one because it goes from, oh, okay, here's something. Oh, you're just getting really repetitive and doing nothing interesting. Oh my god, it's dragging on. This is the only track on the album that I felt dragged. Oh, I disagree. I think this is could... Most of the song... It's just probably the best melody on the record, the best vocal melody on the record. It has some really good rhythmic stuff going on, like it, it varies it up a bit. It's the chorus is great. I think it is a fantastic like just pop song. And then in the middle they have this weird joke where it's like count to ten and read, and it's like the the finger stops and counts to ten, and then there is like this heavy metal bridge. And that just breaks the song for me because it feels very 
this shouldn't be here and it's just here because you found it amusing. And it's really sad because I feel without that bridge, this would probably be my favorite song of the record just because it's so like earwormy and poppy and like does so much things interesting rhythmically. And, and, and then there's like a dumb musical joke in the middle and I don't know. It's not even at the end, it's like literally in the middle, and then it goes back to the chorus, and it's like, I don't know, you just sort of ruined this for me. Yeah, it's not my favorite. But now we get into the quick tracks. Let's go to the lightning round with Caught in the Moment. this one this one feels like what if tom holland oats didn't have that weird break and i think that's why i don't like it as much oh even less you already don't like the previous one why well, like didn't this like one even less these two are where it's losing me because they're very similar and i just don't like that sound that's fair i love the sound it's uh definitely the popular songs on the record but oh come on those chorus are infectious Nah, it really didn't work for me. It's longing for a childhood I didn't have. A bunch of 1am Taco Bell, but like, when your memories of being young are staring at an iPhone, Lyft drivers' names, you'll remember, like, a lot of little things that just so date me. This was not... This didn't happen until I was well past an adult and drinking age. Oh no, that's fair. Like, lyrically, this doesn't vibe for me a lot, mostly because I didn't have a teenage year's life. But musically, this is so good. Like, the chorus is, is extremely catchy. There's a lot of weird matty tempo changes here. Like, sort of mat. This almost feels like mat pop. And, um, like, you know, something like, what's the name of the band? Orchards? Or is Orchards the name of the song? No, Orchard, yeah. This sounds like a, maybe a bit like Orchards, at least melodically and with how they handle the tempo changes, but with this, like, punk, pop-punk edge. This is definitely one of the pop-punkiest songs on the record, but I don't know. I like it. It, it has the neat tempo changes. Some good melodies and everything that I said about why I like this record. It's just infectious and catchy and positive and nice. And no, it's just not my style, and I won't fault it for more than that. It's just not my style. That is fair. Next up, Dr. Fondom. Fondom? Dr. Fondom. Dr. Findom. <laughs> that would have been a better title. Yeah, it would have been. No, it's it's a Victor Von Doom joke.
This, again, we're in the lightning round. This is barely over a minute. Uh, I got the Horny Bunny ad before this, so thanks a lot, Warner Brothers. The what? Oh, uh, Space Jam 2, but it's the Titty Bunny. <laughs> sure. Why are... Okay, C can you explain to me why are people are obsessed over the new Space Jam? Either, like, good takes, bad takes, like... Space Jam sucked. Well, here's the thing. Space there... Jam wasn't a good movie. It was never a good movie. No. It was never meant for adults. It okay. was a dumb movie for kids. Here is the thing. There is a certain strain of marketer and executive that realizes that our generation is now in the position of some of us have children, and you can pitch things that are hitting on the nostalgia of us and try and go viral that way because we're plugged in online in a way that if you do CSI 7, boomers aren't going to get on Twitter and talk about it. So maybe if things are moving to digital, you need to move to the audience that is digital. And so that is how such an ill-conceived project as everything about the seventh attempt at Space Jam 2 came about. I just don't get why people are nostalgic about Space Jam. Like, I watched Space Jam a bunch as a kid. It was always on TV. I'm not nostalgic about it. It was awful. It was not good. Like, Kid Me enjoyed it, but in retrospect, I don't have good thoughts about it. I'm like, oh, that is a dumb thing that I saw as a kid. Uh, shall we talk about Bed Bats and Batman Beyond? Is that right? There's something kind of special in the way you fall asleep next to me when we go to bed at 5 a.m. After we watch a couple episodes of all your favorite TV shows, I'm starting to like them because they give a little insight to the things you find amusing and I want to know everything that I can about you. So I can write a pumpkin, make it all about you. You can have your own biography. Bring a hundred thousand, make a bunch of coupons. We can give them all away for free. Give them all away for free. Bed Bath and Batman Beyond. It's a quick thrash. I approve of it. Again, it's about a minute long. Yeah. Yes, I actually like it. Uh, this is where I started noting down how I sort of ate the pun names. <laughs> they really fall apart in this back chunk. Uh, but no, this is small. It has like some really heavy guitars going on, some cool melody, and this again is one of those you know, nice, positive songs about good relationships with people. Yeah, it's it's upbeat. It's basically a shorter version of Caught in the Moment, which is, yeah, we used to stay up late and just hang out and watch a bunch of cartoons. Yeah. And then there's the chorus, which I don't know how that connects to the memories part. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it's cute shit. Come on. Everyone likes cute shit. Yeah, it's a, it's a quick little thrash jam. I approve of it. I like Dr. Fondoom. I like Bed Bath and Batman Beyond. The fact that they're a minute long helps. I can write a book and make it all about you. You can have your own biography. Drain a hundred thousand. Make a bunch of coupons. We can give them all away for free. Give them all away for free. Give them all away for free. It's a Groupon song, but, you know, it's cute. It is. Slip on shoes on the bottom of your sofa bed. They fit like you overstep and move right through and to blatantly ignore 
Alright, I don't know what to make of this next track. Oh, I hate it. It's incredibly difficult. Footloose Cannonball, it's incredibly different from the rest of the record. It, it feels like Machine Gun Kelly almost. I don't know if you got that feeling too. Uh, my notes have it down as a Jimmy Eat World B-side that would not be allowed on an album. It's, yeah, it's another sort of negative song, which again, negative songs are fine, but they sort of, you know, stick out in this record because everything else is so, like, nice and positive. So this is basically, like, dissing an influencer, I guess. That's the <laughs> that's the whole teaming. Uh, shit-talking an ex-girlfriend, according to some of the notes. Yeah, but, you know, the, you broadcast every waking moment of your life to move on past, blah, 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 you know. That's that feeling. And, um, I don't know. Again, this sounds very Machine Gun Kelly, in a way. Or, you know, Jimmy at Work is also good. It's so different from the rest of the record. It almost feels like somehow they're trying to go for a pop hit. But it's weird, because it wasn't any of the singles. So I really wonder about this song, because it's so different from everything else. It has this... this it has this, like, really more, like, mainstream pop sound and uh, almost sort of, like, this indie-sounding chorus. And the lyrics are grating. Again, I don't think Origami Angel is that good at spiteful. They always come off a bit, like, I don't know, not icky, but they, they always come off as spiteful, but not in a good way. <laughs> they always come off as shit-talking someone in the worst way possible. Um... I don't know, it's fine, but whatever, but it's a bit contrast with everything else on the record. And yeah, this is my least favorite song on the record. I I skipped this song. It's just not good for me. Okay, now I really have to know what your thoughts are about Blanket Statement. Oh, I liked them, Blanket Statement. I keep my room just like To me, Blanket Statement starts almost immediately in the same gear as football, Footloose Cannonball Brothers. Uh, blanket Statement feels more emo to me. I think it is it is not the closer of the album, but it's, uh, it would be a good closer if it closed the album. It has this very sort of emo anthem vibe. It's slower. It has some interesting stuff going on musically. Uh, Sort of the same as the rest of the record. At this point, they're sort of repeating a lot of ideas, but I don't know. I don't mind it. It has that big epic emo vibes. 
they just sound like they have that whole you put two things next to each other they're the same picture vibe from the memes yeah i cannot tell these two apart if you flipped the order on these two i wouldn't be able to know i disagree like the all of the backing vocals and the melody on the first verse that's like extremely emo to me that sounds like a lot of modern emo modern pop punk with emo tinges well the previous song sounds nothing like that it sounds like a mainstream rock modern mainstream rock song like again machine gun kelly or jimmy Edward. i don't know i they just seem because yeah i thought jimmy Eat world b-side on footloose cannonball blanket statement just seems like the exact same thing to the point that the banner for this on genius is for footloose cannonball brothers not for blanket statement <laughs> okay but it doesn't sound like the same thing to me. It it actually, like, this song, if anything, reminds me of stuff like, uh, if you remember for a, from a random episode, like, Nice. It has that same sort of, like, anthemic, slow punk vibe, where you're, like, you have this very quiet, loud, like, very iconic, like, shouty melodies. I don't know, I like it. Especially at the beginning, where you're just like, I can play room like just my life. A fucking mess and out of sight. Which mood, by the way, dude? Like, yeah. We need Adam here. We need Adam to break these ties. We do. Yeah. Adam, come back. The summer vacation arc is getting really depressing <laughs> as we get at each other's throats. <laughs> uh, Adam comes back to two corpses bleeding on the ground. And one of them has a rubber band in her hair, because that's the new style. <laughs> What's the new style? I was making a Kyrie joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's got Kyrie that little... has a rubber band in her hair? I don't remember. Yeah, in the in the front of her... Have you never noticed that? I mean, I, I, it might surprise you, but I cannot bring up in my brain an image of Kyrie. <laughs> I don't have that ability. Okay, no, I guess I just imagined that, because I'm looking at her from uh, the last thing. Like, where the I mean, she it? does have different haircuts in each game, so maybe you're thinking of an older game? Maybe. I'm looking at three, and it's like, no, I guess she does not have that, huh? Huh, okay. Yeah, for some reason, just my brain conjures up, she's got a little rubber band on that ponytail in front. So, blanket statement is also not a pun, right? Um, other than the mention of, hey, I just want to be, like, hidden under a blanket right now. I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah. a lot of these lyrics are a mood. I want to be hidden under a blanket right now. I don't, because blankets are too hot. Oh, that is very summer. Shit. Yeah, we're in that hemisphere. I, I, made, I made this statement. I, I don't know. I think I talked about this with Adam once. I wish there was a cold blanket, like an opposite blanket, that is still a blanket. It still offers the protection and coziness of a blanket, but generates cold instead of heat. I think that would be ideal. We call those ice packs. <laughs> but they do not come in blanket shape. Oh, they do. You just have to have a big freezer. What? To freeze them in. No, yeah. I, do do they, though? I don't know if you're making a joke. <laughs> I don't. You can absolutely get a full body ice pack. Okay, uh, one, I want that. Two, like, what the fuck? Uh, three, let's talk about GG. 
lots of things to say but it looks like we're running out of time so i'll compile it down the best i can i actually liked this uh as of closer yeah it's fine I- I don't have anything great or anything terrible to say about this song. I think it's a decent closer. I maybe would have liked better blanket statement as a closer, but this is good. A lot of people I heard this is their favorite song on the record and I'm not sure I get it, but that is not me. I think this song is fine. I think this song reiterates a lot of ideas from the previous song and with a slower, more sort of quote-unquote epic closing feel. And it's fine. And it uh, reprises the theme at the beginning of the record, which is surprising. And uh, they actually do something with that instead of leaving it as a one-note joke. So, hmm, I don't know. The song is fine. Yeah, it's wonderful. Good chugga-chugga opening. Uh, A lot of the lyrics feel like things that people have said in Breaking Up With Me. Like, I'm incapable of change. You are in a constant state of flux. Uh, Yeah, it turns out I get called chaotic a lot for some reason. Um... And I think this has real good energy. It takes a small break in the middle where it's just instrumentals, but then after that, it's playing itself out and has a not-quite-Godspeed-you-Black-Emperor sound of decaying everything. The the heat-death-of-the-universe sound to close the album. I love it. Yeah. By the way, we haven't talked about all of the samples that they put at the end of the songs. We completely forgot. This one ends with, uh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball, which I'm not familiar from where that is. But other songs end with, like, segments from Malcolm in the Middle. I think there's maybe something from SpongeBob. I'm not sure. I mean, probably, given that one of them is a reference. Let me find all of this. Um, Because there's definitely one of Malcolm in the Middle, which is um, Dewey being sent to Sunday school. I am actually familiar with that episode. (laughs) Uh, oh, there's one for Jimmy Neutron, and uh, I, I don't know. There, some sometimes the songs end with weird referential samples. Again, sort of a shit post record, but very genuine and just like nice and positive in other places. So I forgive it. One, two. Stick my reflective tape to the collar of your shirt. Mind your business, and you won't get hurt. Be true to the things you said you'd be true to. Always keep your objective in view. Keep two working contacts among your effects. See the tall poppies with their tender, fragile necks. Solomon in all his glory, yeah. not a I think overall, this is a wonderful album that could have used a little bit of trimming and tells me that this is a group who has a style I like, even if they don't do it all the time. But the worst I can say about this album is there were four tracks out of 20 and only one felt like it dragged. So yeah, would approve origami angel is on my radar now look what you did ellie i am making you a fan of pop punk i'm probably going to buy this record later 
I this is one of my favorite records of the year so far. Not top one because you know we had the Mountain Goats, we had Japanese Breakfast, we had the usual people that I really like releasing records this year. But yeah, this is definitely up there. It's definitely one of my favorites, especially especially in terms of pop punk or like emo and stuff. I think this might actually be my favorite. You know, it's playing itself with um, what's their name? They did Fire Sale. We talked about it in the Roundup episode. They released a record in December. <laughs> Crap, what's their name? Um, keep flying. Yeah, keep flying. And I love this. is great. This is adorable. This is honestly like sort of been a comfort record for me in this kind couple of weeks. It's it has some really genuine, like generally sweet lyrics and like really nice, really positive. Musically, it does a lot of interesting things. I wish this was ten tracks long. I think there's nothing awful aside from the two tracks that are sort of negative and I didn't really like, but there's nothing awful, but you can definitely cut this to 10 tracks and it would be tighter and it would be a better experience, but it's just good. It's just good when you don't know, when I don't know what to listen to, I just put this in the background and it's it's just so nice and positive and good job Origami Angel. I'm definitely going to go and check the previous stuff they've done because this is excellent. This is like a 4 out of 5 for me. I would definitely describe this as a 4 out of 5 record. Same song, different chorus. So, this was the episode. You can find us, as always, at getoutofthistown.com. You can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet to us at ggottpodcast. And we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're everywhere. Rate and review us. I'm taking this quick because we already took forever for this episode because it's 20 tracks. So I'm trying to do this very, very fast. Uh, we have a website. Next week there will be something. Do you have anything to plug, Sybil? You can find me at hellscaper.com. It tells a lot. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon. But please check out our SoundCloud rap project, Lilo Wizard and the Sugar Cult. Good night. Bye bye. Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.